0: Welcome back to Irish on Tap, a podcast about the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Sad week this week as our game has been postponed, but before we get into, I guess you would say what was supposed to be a preview episode, let me check in with my co-host and then we'll get into the thick of things for this week.
1: I'm doing good, Brandon. I'm excited to get on the mic again, but obviously a little bit bad news here with two weeks straight of no Notre Dame football games.
2: Yeah, coming off a big win like we did against USF, you know, we had a lot of things going for us and the ball got rolling, I'd say. But to stop in the road, it's what we have to do in 2020. And, you know, they'll get over that hurdle and get back to football soon.
0: Yeah, so the unfortunate news is obviously if you haven't seen TV or, you know, a newspaper, website, anything in the last few days, Notre Dame had a couple tests. It was four tests originally out of 232 that were tested positive for COVID. And then they tested again yesterday which we're recording on Wednesday. So Tuesday, uh, seven tests out of 94 were positive. So they canceled practice on Tuesday. Later in the day, as we all kind of expected, the game for Saturday was postponed. That game has been pushed back to December 12th, which is a week after Syracuse, which was the original ending to the schedule. So not anything too crazy in that sense. They're not stacking it and you know, in a spot where they had a buy or anything. It's just simply going at the end of the schedule. But – thoughts just i mean we didn't really expect this to happen but this is the year of unexpected and now we're here so you have to worry about beating your opponent every week but now we have to worry about beating this virus before we can get back out on the field
1: yeah it's definitely not ideal especially ethan you mentioned after a 52-0 shutout so this locker room is starting to probably feel really confident and starting to get some momentum going so that's a little bit tough right there having said that i mean If you're going to pick a part of the year that this would happen, I mean, obviously it sucks, but I mean, right now is not horrible. I mean, they're week three, they got a bye week and they just moved it. Like you have a little bit more schedule flexibility with it happening now. So, I mean, it's not the end of the world. Seven positive tests is a lot, though, so... I just hope they can, I mean, the theme of the show is like quarantine, isolate, and eliminate this virus within the next two weeks or so. Because, I mean, like you said, you got to focus on beating your opponent. And hopefully this COVID stuff is all wrapped up and eliminated by the time Notre Dame's facing Florida State and getting into their heavy hitting opponents here.
2: Yeah, I think one thing to keep an eye on too is just how long it takes them to ramp back up now because you've played through two games, you've played well in two games, and the defense just started getting going. The offense is, well, where will they pick up at? Because now you're asking them to go two weeks without practice, anything like that, and now you're going to expect them to get back into game form too. That's what's going to be interesting over these next two weeks. But I agree with you, Brian. What a better time to... I guess if there is a better time to have this, it's now because it is still early in the season. You do have a bye week scheduled for next week as well. So the ACC play will get interesting, but it will be definitely, definitely interesting to see how they ramp up again in two weeks.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably the most important thing. It's like you're coming off a 52-0 victory. Everybody ate on Saturday. Everybody got a piece of the pie. Everybody contributed We saw great things out of guys like Clarence Lewis. Uh, Sebo Flemister had a great game. You know, Kyron Williams, again, had a great game. That guy is really, he's so fast, and he just wows me every time he gets the ball. Tommy Tremble, again, amazing game. I really do feel for whoever, I mean, it's all players that tested positive. Up to 11 players could be testing positive, so our Our hearts are definitely with, you know, with those guys, their families, hopefully they can get through this. And if they can get back out on the field, obviously we would love for them to have that happen. But I'm sure you can expect some opt-outs especially considering the circumstances of players on the team having it. Maybe not necessarily like the guys that are fighting for draft capital or people that really want to win a championship, but maybe like roster guy 55 through 60, they may not feel as inclined to keep going out if this is what happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Something I really didn't think of. I mean, I... I don't know if I'd expect it. Well, probably should expect maybe one or two opt-outs just because, like you said, I mean, it's a pretty deadly virus by some people would say. And if you believe that, then you're going to opt out. But let's hope that's not the case. But, I mean, if players do that, all the power to them, it's up to them and their families. But we'll see how that plays out in the next couple of days and we'll see if it ends up being up to 11 or so. I mean, this thing kind of spreads like wildfire, so hopefully this quarantining produces or eliminates the virus going forward. Yeah, and
2: USF just had canceled their game about an hour ago against, I think it was FAU coming up on Saturday, so they saw on their film that Notre Dame had players against them on the field, and now they don't have a game as well, so just add that to the list of postponed games for the 2020 season, but yeah, this thing is a chain reaction. That contact tracing is something that will affect a lot of teams and has affected a lot of teams to this point, and now it affects USF as well. So the college football landscape will definitely change with Notre Dame being out for two weeks. I think they it's another focal point team that it's like okay, Notre Dame joins the ACC and then they bring this into it. You know, I, I know Brandon, and I heard that one so.
0: That kid's also a Jagoff and a Clemson fan, though. So, I mean, you you (laughs) would expect a low-hanging fruit like that from him. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Brian, you brought up an interesting point a couple minutes ago with, you know, how is this going to affect everything? And now the Big Ten has announced that they will be back. And you can pretty much consider Ohio State as, like, a shoe-in one through four. It doesn't matter what spot they slide in at unless something absolutely catastrophic happens in the Big Ten, Ohio State's probably getting one of those spots. So that just ups the ante for when Notre Dame does get back out on the field. That ups the ante for every single game on the schedule because we know just as much as anyone in years past, especially in years with title hopes, sometimes those games that we completely overlook, we end up losing. So we cannot have that this year. And it's going to sound kind of bogus, but I'm glad it's Florida State cuz Florida State does not know what their identity is and I think that's a a little bit of a tune-up game if there is any in the ACC right now. They're a team that's kind of reeling trying to figure out who they are and they have a new head coach. If there is any game that I want on our schedule to come back to, I think that's got to be it.
1: Yeah, I mean I I agree. I just I'm worried about the the game, the two game stretch after Florida State, I think Louisville and then going to Pitt back to back is very, very tough. I think those two teams are actually pretty good. So, going with what you said about the Big Ten earlier, Brandon, I just want to say that, yes, the the Ohio State has by far, they are probably an easy schedule on a really, really talented roster, or really, really talented roster, and the most talent in the Big Ten. However, with that eight game schedule that all the Big Ten is playing and it being Only conference. I do think that it's kind of hard on them because the margin for error is already small given the college football playoff being only four teams, but you can't lose one of those eight games. I don't care if it's Ohio State. Yeah, they have a lot of talent. If you go seven and one, you're not making the college football playoff. And that goes for probably every single team in the Big Ten. So I would expect either Ohio State or Penn State to probably go undefeated just because they're the two best teams. But what happens if both go seven and one, maybe the big 10 doesn't have one team in the college football playoff, but I think it's a really going to be a really tough year for the college football playoff committee to kind of gouge and evaluate these teams. Cause most aren't playing or there is no non-conference games. There's just like a couple and they're not really heavyweight matchups. So it's going to be really tough for them down the stretch to evaluate these teams. And if like a big 10 team has one loss, do they get in? I'm not sure. Yeah, one benefit that those
2: powerhouse Big Ten teams like Ohio State has is just how easy their schedule is. You look at the first four games for Ohio State, Nebraska, Penn State, Rutgers, Maryland. The only team that would give them, I think, any game is Penn State there. So you're looking at an easy 4-0 for Ohio State, and then they finish their last eight with Indiana, Illinois, Michigan State, Michigan. Like, that's the easiest schedule in the world for Ohio State. That's
1: an 8-0. I think Penn State's good, but I do, other than Penn State, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's a cake schedule, but I wouldn't underestimate Penn State. They got some talent. And even on the other side, Wisconsin,
2: another powerhouse team, Illinois, Nebraska, Purdue, Michigan, Northwestern, Minnesota, Indiana, Iowa. So I, I think it's a little more difficult. But if you're looking at the powerhouse teams, I mean, they have cakewalk schedules.
0: You're looking at a collision course of probably Wisconsin against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, which every time, you know, they'll. I think there's been one time where Wisconsin or, or any team for that matter has gotten past Ohio State out there in Indianapolis, but I mean, I guess it is kind of, uh, ignorant for me to just shoe them in, but I just know what I've seen and I know they brought back a lot of talent. I know some people that opted out, opted back in. I just know that no matter what happens right now for this Notre Dame team, they need to continue to stay in shape. They need to stay in the playbook, stay in the film, control what they can control from their dorm room, from their apartment, from wherever they're at doing what they're doing right now. That's football related because for the next two weeks. What else can you really do? You know, you're supposed to be quarantining, so you're not really supposed to be going anywhere, doing anything. Get in the playbook, check out your film, and work out from home. I guess is the best I can say.
1: I think Notre Dame's equipped to handle this. I mean, I guess not well, but as good as anybody really in the country, just because I think Brian Kelly has established a really positive culture within that locker room. And you also have a lot of good veterans. Like, I mean, Ian Book had a difficult week one, but I mean, he's as great of a leader as we've seen in a Notre Dame uniform. And I just think the guys that have kind of, they haven't won on the biggest stage in the past couple of years that are veteran presidents or presence in that locker room, I think they got eyes on they got eyes on the college football playoff and that's it and I don't think they're really going to do anything besides like you said work out on their own and just social distance and whatnot so I think Notre Dame is well equipped to eliminate this virus within the next two weeks I really do yeah it's definitely a tough situation Brent and I just had someone from NIU on their coaching staff
2: and you know they talked about during all offseason being on Zoom being on Skype doing things like that and like Brian said this team has the resources to do so. Brian Kelly is the coach to keep this team together in times of chaos. Did it all offseason, and Notre Dame was still able to come out, be successful for two weeks. It's a it's a huge setback, don't get me wrong. But this team, like Brian said, has a, has a positive future. There's a lot of confidence going on in that locker room. There's a lot of great leaders in that locker room. And it starts with Brian Kelly, and he's the guy that's kind of taking this team in charge. And I think he's leading them in success. Ian Book stayed isolated. They've talked about that. He's been doing a great job at handling it so far. Obviously, a little spike in, in testing here, but we'll get back to it soon.
0: One thing I'm glad you brought up was our guy Brian Kelly. Did you guys hear the halftime little speech that he had inside the locker
1: room? Uh, I didn't hear, but was that when he brought up the, the "I'm sick of being the nice guy" sort of thing? Every
0: time we got the football, we're not. Let them score any points. Yeah, yes, so we This <laughs> man is too damn hard. I'm tired of being a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Brian Kelly at halftime. I don't know if you guys saw the clip or heard it. The team was going nuts, calling for a shutout and telling them that they're going to score every time they get the ball. So thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think he's exactly right. Notre Dame's kind of been that team that's been good and beating up on the little guy for the past four to the last five years. They've had really successful little guys, not their correct terminology, but beating up on teams that are inferior talent. But then not beating teams that are either more talented or as talented as them. So they lack kind of that, like, just the aggressiveness and kind of just killer instinct in tough games to just put put other teams away. So I love that Brian Kelly has taken on this attitude, and I really think it's something that this team needs if they want to get to the college football playoff or if they just want to stay on the field and compete with Clemson twice and beat them twice. I really think they need that attitude.
2: I think going back and watching (laughs) – last week's game you saw Notre Dame be a lot more aggressive than they were in week one and that's something that we called for on the post-game podcast week one we wanted them to come out be more aggressive week two and they did that they were they were firing they were coming out strong they were coming out fast and then this happens I would hate to see the setback come out against Florida State in two weeks whatever it is but I I think it's going to be there I think that they're gonna they're gonna come out slow again and I think that that's going to an issue in that first game back. However, they've always been that team, like Brian said, to give up or not play as well in those high leverage games. You're facing a lot of those high leverage teams. If you're able to keep your foot on the gas like they did against USF, they should not have any trouble against this schedule at all.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing that I'm, I guess you would say, most disappointed about is I really did like the way that Notre Dame matched up against Wake Forest. I thought it was the perfect time for a team like Wake Forest to come to town. They like to score the ball. I don't know if anyone saw their game on Saturday against NC State. They were in it. They were out of it. They were in it. They were down two touchdowns. They came back. Absolute no-quit mentality, and they have weapons on the outside and pretty good running backs and a good quarterback in Sam Hartman. So I, I mean, obviously, I'm calling it how I see it. This game just went from like another like step up game on our schedule to just continue to let this team transition to now it's a bear trap game. It's at the end of our schedule. It's unless anything crazy happens, it will be the last game that has a deciding factor on whether or not we go to the ACC title Mm -hmm. game. So a little bit more interesting. And that team might not have as you know, they might still have a lot to play for at that point of the season.
1: Yeah I mean like you said it's kind of that I mean let's say Notre Dame's undefeated 11-0 and they got to play another week against Wake Forest. I mean that's the thing about Notre Dame that they're kind of every other team's Super Bowl just because they're such a like well-respected brand and a lot of teams just hate them and especially this year in the ACC because a lot of teams are probably pissed off that they're in the ACC and they deserve a shot of the ACC title. So I think Notre Dame's going to get their opponent's best game almost all year and I'm looking at their schedule and they actually have a really tough four game stretch after this Florida State game like you are I think it was Ethan that you said I like that Florida State's their first game coming back because Brandon, you mentioned they don't have an identity which is true for the past like four years I mean they've been kind of just like a broken program decent talent but they just don't really know who they are and they haven't won very many games but after that I mentioned earlier they got Louisville and then Pitt and then they go at Georgia Tech which is kind of a kind of a tune-up game. They're not horrible, though. And then they got Clemson. So, I mean, that's three out of four weeks where you're facing a ranked opponent. Honestly, like, preseason is kind of the preseason still. Preseason college football rankings are kind of meaningless. I don't know if Pittsburgh's the 21st team in the country. I don't know if Louisville is a top 25 team in the country. But, I mean, the polls are giving them enough Credit to the point that they're ranked. So I do think their schedule is a little bit harder than any of us thought going into the season, and especially that four game stretch. And they're going to have about two weeks off, no practice, no getting together as a team. So I really do think this is kind of throwing a wrench in their overall ending goals. But like I said earlier in the podcast, I do think this is a team that is equipped, has the culture, has the coach to handle it, has Ian Books, the captains. I really think they can do it, but they got to be really disciplined. To play in the next couple of weeks, figure out this COVID stuff and get back to work and ready for Florida State, Louisville. And then you got Pittsburgh and then Clemson. Yeah, Florida State's coach
2: also coming off COVID. So another thing to keep an eye on with Florida State. I don't know who they play Saturday, but it will be an interesting game. Florida State, like you guys talked about, what a downfall of that program. Just the Jameis Winston era to now has really just taken such a decline at Florida State. So yeah, like Brian said, I hope that they are able to figure this out. You know they don't have much else to do but sit in their dorms, watch film on their iPads. If that's what you're doing outside of class or doing online school, whatever, props to you because that's what you're supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah. And like you guys said, I mean, Florida State head coach Mike Norvell, I've completely forgot about that. And I don't know how I brushed over that, but that is an important storyline. Everybody knew what the stakes were when they came into this season. And it's unfortunate that we are at this point. But like you guys have said, I mean, just continue to stay positive, control what we can control as a program, as a team, as your individual, you know, player or position group. But other than that, I mean, now that we don't have a game, there there really isn't too much to talk about. Do you guys have any other points that you want to get off here?
1: I had one question that I wanted to surface to you guys. So with Let's the, go. with the Big Ten playing, It kind of puts Notre Dame at a little bit of a disadvantage entering the college football playoff discussion because before the Big Ten showed up, you kind of had the Big 12 ACC SEC winner being shoe ins to the college football playoff. And then you had maybe a one-loss Notre Dame team able to get in. But now, like you said, Brandon, Ohio State, they go undefeated. They're getting in the CFP. So I want to bring up this question to you guys. Do you think it is possible for the ACC to have two teams in the college football playoff at the end of the day? If, let's say, Clemson and Notre Dame both have one loss and they split their two-game series, do you think it's possible both of them get in? I do not. I think... The way that it's set up right now, you're probably going to get one
0: SEC team, guaranteed. You'll get one team from the Big Ten and the winner from the ACC. I think it's going to be all three conference winners. And then it's going to come down to how it came down to that year that we did get in, where there's going to be about three teams that are all about equally as qualified for that fourth spot. I don't want to hear anything about Central Florida or someone from the American Conference unless they just absolutely demolish and that fourth team isn't appearing from a Power Five. You know, the blueprint is there. Notre Dame knows what they have to do. This is a minor setback for a major comeback. This team definitely has the talent and they were, you know, I know it's a lesser opponent, but they were definitely clicking and finding their rhythm towards the second half of the Duke game and then throughout all of last week's game.
2: For me, I think it's definitely a little more complicated for the ACC to get two in. I think it's going to be complicated for any Conference to get two in, but I agree with Brandon. I think that it's going to be three winners, and then the one t- and that fourth team that will find a way to get itself in. So if it's Notre Dame, they're going to have to either be undefeated or you know one loss to a potential Clemson team. The SEC is dominated with a lot of heavy talent, so it'll be definitely interesting to see who that fourth team will be. But yeah, I agree with Brandon. I think it's going to either going to be Notre Dame or Clemson in the college football playoff. There definitely will, will not be both.
1: I think there's one way that that there could be both. I mean, I agree with you. It's going to be really hard considering everybody's preconceived notion that the ACC sucks. No, I don't think it's as bad as prior years, but I mean, we don't really know that yet. But I think the one scenario where it does is if all of the... Contenders in the Big Ten, Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin lose a game. I mean, the odds of that happening are very small because, like we said, they have a very easy schedule. But how do you put a one loss Big Ten team at seven and one over uh, a one loss Notre Dame team or a one loss Clemson team that lost to each other? Like, I don't, that would be a scenario where you just can't do it and you'd probably have both Notre Dame and Clemson in. But if we want to talk about like, if, You're only going to choose between one of them. Who is it if it's Notre Dame or Clemson, if they split with each other? I mean, I don't know. They'll probably go with Clemson just because they've been dominant in the past recent seasons. But at the end of the day, it'll probably be whoever wins the ACC title and whoever beats, if they split, whoever wins the second game.
0: I do have one question before we wrap up. And then, Ethan, you can wrap up or you can say anything that you need to get off before we finish the show. But October 10th, the day that we're supposed to come back to play, there is a game uh, in the ACC probably the only other notable game of the year. The University of Miami travels to Clemson. Do they have any shot? Absolutely not.
1: Yeah, I, I, I echo Ethan. I don't think they have a lick of a chance to beat Clemson. Miami's
2: another one of those teams for me, like a Florida State, that has had you know the program success for years, but just has not been great lately. I
0: don't know if you guys saw that game last week. They did look pretty good against Louisville. Pop them by like three touchdowns. I'm not going to go ahead and crown them, but sometimes, and if you you notice, you know, Clemson does have that one stinker game every year. Years past, it's been teams like Syracuse, North Carolina, a couple other teams in the ACC have done it to them. But I think that's a game that if Miami, I mean, obviously Miami is going to go out and kill Florida state. I don't know why I would even question that. They're going to win that game by like 40, but if Miami can be competitive and win that game, no matter what that game is, I don't know what they call it at the Pac-12 at the end of the year, where they just take each other out of the uh, playoffs, but that is basically like a loser leaves town game. Where's that yeah. game at? It's in Clemson. It's in Death Valley. Or, yeah, yes, no, no Death Valley, shot. If it was in
2: Miami, I'd say Miami has a little bit more of a shot, but with them going to Clemson, yeah, no.
1: I think this year, I mean, some team or some stadiums have, like, some fans, which obviously creates a home field advantage, but I think this year especially, sometimes – Home teams, you can kind of, if it's a team that you're supposed to beat, you can kind of like sleepwalk through it. Whereas if it's a team you're supposed to beat on the road, it's more of like a business trip mentality and you're kind of like more awake and more ready to play on the road. So that's just kind of something that I have thought is going to be a factor this year. I mean, if you're in a, if you're at your home place and it's just a dead crowd, you're not used to it. I think that can actually penalize the home team, so to speak.
2: I I definitely think it's interesting. Notre Dame having as many fans there definitely does hinder, you know, the defense's success. We've seen that. A lot of people have talked about that, you know, the NFL, college football as well. Uh, But I agree with you, Brian. I do think that the lack of crowd noise on a third and long does affect home teams, and, and it will, but I just think, like, in a powerhouse like Clemson, no matter where you go, you could play in the backyard of somebody's house and still run a team.
0: Yeah, I thought I just thought it was a game worth bringing up. I know Miami has De'Eric King and, you know, Manny Diaz is the new head coach over there. They're trying to kind of research that program. But until they win a game like that, they are not back indeed. One other thing that I do want to bring up before we wrap up the show, I highly doubt fans will be back in South Bend for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. With this outbreak, I really don't think it's going to be something that happens the rest of the year and kind of probably a good idea.
2: I mean, I think it's interesting the way they came up with the seating chart, you know, being able to, you know, keep fans who live together closer. If they, you know, show tests among the university, I would say that they wouldn't allow fans. But with this being just like strictly a football thing, I think they'll still welcome fans into Notre Dame Stadium. Maybe the the capacity will go down. But ultimately, if, like I said, the university numbers aren't going up and it's just a football thing, I think you'll still see fans there.
0: Yeah, I just thought it was something of note and worth bringing up. Ethan, do you have anything before we wrap up?
2: Other than just hoping this team can come back and, like we said, quarantine, isolate, and eliminate. I believe that was the three. Get those three things done. Get yourself back on the field and find yourself in the ACC championship game and in the college football playoff.
1: Slam that shit on a t-shirt. Brian, you got anything else? Nope, just echoing what you guys said. Got to be disciplined the next two weeks and then take care of business. They have a tough four weeks after that, so, I mean, the preparation starts now. They got nothing better to do.
0: Hey, you guys put it perfectly. This was Irish On Tap presented to you by the Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. You can follow my co-host, Brian Mishler, on Twitter at Brian Mishler. And you can follow Ethan at Ethan underscore Wiles 10. It's an unfortunate situation that our Notre Dame Fighting Irish are in, but This too shall pass, and go Irish!